Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. Hi friends, Nathan Pierce here with Family Protection Ministries. Welcome to The Frontline. Today is May 12th. And we are talking about a couple of bills related to the family and how that relates to homeschooling. We are going to uh, get into those in just a minute, along with some deadlines uh, with the legislature. But before we do that, I wanted to say thank you to those who have responded to our um, requests for support and for prayers on the legislative work that we've been doing. It's been a crazy last few weeks, especially, and we thank you for, for your support and encouragement. We uh, have some stuff to talk about with regard to the legislation, but before we get into that, I want to just briefly talk about a couple of scripture verses to help us get in the right mindset as we look at the legislative battles that we're dealing with. So to begin with, let's look at Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31. It says, the horse is set for the day of battle, but salvation belongs to Yahweh. That is talking about how we can be prepared for battle. We can work and do our diligence in getting ready for battle. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the, the power for, for victory, the, the ultimate person that actually makes the decision at the end of the day as what's going to happen is God. He is the provider. He is the ultimate power in the universe as the creator. He has the ability we don't, ultimately. God does have the ability to bring us victory in anything. And so we look to him as our strength. Now, that doesn't mean we don't prepare. We do prepare. But ultimately, in the end, we put our hope in God, not in our preparations. Let's also flip over to Jeremiah. I'm sorry, uh, Isaiah. Let's look at Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33, verse 22 for Yahweh is our judge, Yahweh is our lawgiver, Yahweh is our king. He will save us. Again, reinforcing the fact that ultimately at the end of the day, God is the one to save us, not anybody else that we might attempt to put our hope in. But there's also this extra unique part of this verse, which is pointing at the various parts of government. We look here and see that there's the judge, there's the lawgiver, there's the king. And ultimately, we know that we have lawgivers, we have judges, we have kings and other rulers that we look up to in terms of having authority over us in government. Yet, ultimately, he's saying here that God, God is our judge. God is our ultimate judge. God is our ultimate lawgiver. He has given us the law. God is our ultimate king. He is the king of kings. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, he will save us. It's not any of these other rulers. It's not any of these kings. It's not any of these lawmakers or judges that will save us. God will save us. So we need to remember that and keep that in mind as we deal with all this legislation that's going through in Sacramento that seems like it's opposed to God, yet ultimately... God is over all of these things, and we need to remember that. Let's uh, 
flip over now uh, to Ephesians chapter 6 and be reminded of what kind of battle that we are in because sometimes it feels like as we are dealing with the legislature that we have we have our positions on issues and we also we also have people that we're working perhaps with in the legislature people that are on the same side as us on some of these issues and yet there's still other people that are on the other side on these issues there's people that that are holding an opposing viewpoint and we might even call them the opposition right and um, because they are holding an opposing viewpoint now it is often the case that we might have the mindset or the attitude that these other people that hold this opposing viewpoint are our enemies now that's not necessarily the right way to look at this they may be enemies of god if they are opposed to god but ultimately in our battle we can know as it says here in ephesians 10 that it's a spiritual battle that we're in it's not against flesh and blood so let's read these verses quickly ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 11 and 12 finally be strong in the lord and in the might of his strength Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So, it's not against these individual people that we are fighting. It is a spiritual battle, and we need to remember that, and that is something that should remind us to pray. We should always be praying. Pray without ceasing. And that, that reminds me of this other verse in, uh, in Philippians. If we look at Philippians uh, chapter Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a reminder to us of where our hearts should be. It shouldn't be anxious because that's focused on earthly things. Our mind should be focused on pleasing and honoring our God, who is above all of these, these, these struggles that are in our world today. He is not unaware of our struggles, yet he is over them and when we put our trust in him he gives us hope he gives us peace because we trust in him so let's begin with that today as we look at legislation we look at these issues and we remember that god is overall and we need to seek him for our peace and for deliverance so let's look at a couple of bills we have coming up a deadline this next week on a number of bills and a couple of those bills I want to look at today. They specifically relate to various aspects of family life. And let's start first of all with a bill that is concerning to me because of partly what it's doing now, but more concerning is what it could lead to in the future. 
as I've mentioned before, a lot of these bills, um, they start with some big, big idea to, to go after um, a government enforcement or government program that may be enforced to um, take on some new big role of government. And then people oppose that idea and so they scale it way back. So it goes from sort of a 10 on the scale of, of crazy uh, government intrusion and government authority and government program to a one real quick. And then it, everybody feels better and it's not so far out there. And so instead of being a 10 and getting people all angry, it's scaled back to a one and people all of a sudden feel like, oh, it's not so bad after all, okay. It's just this little thing. And then that gets passed. And then a year later, it might be that they try the number 10 again. And then scale it back to a 1. And then the year after that, it gets proposed again and scaled back. Maybe each time it's even more further reaching than the previous time with the initial proposal. At any rate, many legislators are very, very patient and willing to do this 10 proposal and scale back to a one very gradually over time. And so what ultimately you end up with is if you have 10 years of that, for example, 10 years of starting with a 10 and scaling back to a one and then passing that number one through, you still end up with 10 steps over 10 years. And if those 10 steps lead you to the same place that that initial proposal would have led you to if it had passed as it was presented initially, then you end up with over 10 years, the same exact overreach of government. And so I'm talking about this because I think that there's a couple of bills right now that could lead to something really major eventually happening, um, particularly in the area of early childhood education um, or early care. Um, the first five years is something that a lot of legislators look at as being essential for government involvement and government provided care for young children. I agree that these years are crucial, um, but the perspective of how children should be raised during those first five years and who's in authority might differ from between me and many legislators. And um, I hope that you will be able to see the, the dangers here of looking at these issues from a, a position of the government as parent. Now, whose kids are they anyway? Whose kids are they? Well, God gave children to parents. He didn't give them to governments. God gave children to parents in a family. That's where family comes from. He didn't create government and say, hey, this is the family. He created a family and said, this is a family. And then he said, in order to organize and have civilized communication and cooperation between multiple families, you can have civil government 
to keep order. And as we know from scripture, God designed civil government to punish evil and to reward those who do good. But that's in the context of many families. That's not saying, hey, the government has authority over each individual family and how they are a family. He didn't give children to, to governments. He gave children to families. So when we ask the question, whose children are they anyway? We answer that question differently than many legislators. So you have to recognize that that is one of the issues here, that we look at these things completely differently with an end goal that's even different. So as we look at this, keep that in mind. One bill, AB 1057, this funds a social worker program that allows uh, social workers to conduct home visits for parents of newborn children. Now, that might not seem bad to you. It may be uh, initially uh, an idea that, oh, that's nice that they can get that help. But ultimately, when you take a couple steps back and you look at whose authority um, is, is at stake here, you might realize that the government sending a social worker in to visit a family with a newborn to give them tips on parenting, that is not the role of government. That is not the role of government at all. In fact, families help families understand parenting. But in the context of what we know in scripture, with the concepts of older teaching the younger, that role of helping younger families know how to raise children that falls squarely within the church's purview, not the civil government's. So now we've brought in a third realm of authority here. We've talked about the civil government. We've talked about the family. We've talked now about bringing in the church. The church government is another area of authority when it comes to governments, when it comes to uh, authority. And we need to recognize that these three regions or realms of authority are constantly at enmity with each other. And we need to put things in their proper places in order to understand what the proper response is to certain problems in the world. Unfortunately, with the legislature that we have in California, much of the time, the response is to constantly have civil government in authority over both the church and the family. And that's what we're dealing with here in these bills right now. AB, uh, AB 1057, bringing home visita visitation programs from social workers into your home to help you get started with a newborn, that is not the proper role of government. It's not the place of government. If you can't get the proper help from family, then the role of the church where the older teach the younger is the proper an appropriate place for that instruction, for that learning to happen, that growth in parenting understanding. That should happen within families and the church, not civil government. Civil government is to punish wrongdoing. So if there's a problem where there's actually somebody sinning against children or um, sinning against someone else and causing uh, and actually committing crimes against children or committing crimes against others, that is a, an appropriate place for the civil government to step in and punish wrongdoing. However, 
That's not what we're dealing here with this bill. AB 1057 is proposing a new government program to provide government funds. They have to get these funds from somewhere. They're gonna come from families giving the government money so that the government can provide these resources with their own authority to families to teach them to parent. So um, AB 1057 is a threat to not only the family government, but it's a threat to the church's role of authority as well. And so we need to remember and put all these into proper perspective that when we're talking about giving the government more authority and more, really more power because we're giving them money to, to administer this program, we're really saying uh, we're taking this authority from family and church and we're giving it to civil government. This is currently being proposed as a voluntary program. It's not mandating that everybody that takes a child home from the hospital would have to have a social worker come visit them at home. However, that concept has been proposed before here in California, and I guarantee that this bill, AB 1057, can be used as a step toward that. Now, they might be little steps, as I mentioned, it could be a 10-year process as they move towards that end of placing more authority in the civil government over families. However, this version only allows for this program to be established and makes it a voluntary program. Now, sometimes voluntary programs don't feel voluntary when somebody at a hospital or somewhere is encouraging you to participate in the program. So there could be people that get um, pressured into participating in one of these programs, which I think is not a good idea because I don't think it's appropriate for AB 1057 to be in existence at all because it's not the role of government to be going into your house to visit you to help learn how to parent, especially in the situation where there's never been any problem. It's just hey, we had a baby, so automatically we have to have the government being invited into homes to help them learn how to parent and take care of this child. That is inappropriate use of government funds. It's not the proper role of government from a biblical perspective. And practically speaking, social workers have plenty of other more important things to do that do fall into the proper role of government of punishing evildoers. So, Let's get things in the proper perspective. AB 1057 is an inappropriate bill for our legislature to be pursuing. Right now, this bill is in the Assembly Appropriations Committee, waiting for the determination of how, whether the government will spend the money to produce and to uh, provide for this program for social workers to do home visits. It's going to cost a lot of money, obviously, but... Um, they're currently deciding over the next week behind closed doors having meetings to determine uh, how much money the government is going to be spending on various programs. And so that's um, that deadline is coming up. I believe they're going to be hearing this bill. It's on the list to be heard and to get the determination announced on Thursday the 18th. So we'll be uh, waiting for that. And um, please uh, be aware of this bill and be praying that this bill does not get the funding to move forward. Additionally, um, the other bill that I want to specifically talk about today deals with foster families. And this is another one of these bills that, that could be an easy first step in a long trajectory of 
um, different proposals that could ultimately end up with major, major implications for every person living in California. Now, why do I say that? It, the bill is SB 407, and the bill provides for a new requirement for foster families. Now, this bill will immediately have an impact on foster families that have religious views on uh, gender identity and um, how they interact with their foster children. Because SB 407 would force foster families with religious beliefs out of the selection pool in California, leaving many foster children without a family to foster them. By adding this requirement of support for gender identity potential, foster families will be forced to choose between abandoning their convictions in order to foster or removing the possibility for them to foster at all. Ultimately, what this bill does, SB 407, requires all foster parents, new or otherwise, foster parents would have to sign a document saying that they embrace the gender identity of their children that they are fostering and have to be um, uh, affirming in their care of these children with their decisions. And so it's going to violate a lot of uh, people's religious beliefs that are already serving ch- many, many children in the California foster system. So this this bill is terrible at, at its root in terms of what it would do immediately. The immediate impact would be foster children. But I want you to think a little bit further back and look at this in the big picture and think about Think about your next door neighbor. Think about somebody who's fostering children. Think about those children being taken away from that foster family. And how because they don't sign this paper, denying their own religious views, they would have those children, foster children, taken away from them. One step further would be, what if somebody's in the process of adopting somebody? And during that adoption process, somebody says, well, you have to sign this paperwork that says you have to uh, affirm the gender identity if, if ever that comes up as an issue with this child. And so the parent would have to be face to face with the decision to either stop the adoption process or deny their faith and just go along with the state's view of affirming gender identity. And this issue is not in not immediately in SB 407 with the adoption issue, but that could easily be a next step. And so what I'm trying to do here is try to help you think through how these bills that start in one place can over time gradually get to somewhere else. The next step could be our own biological children. It could be our our children that we have at home that were born into our families and the state could have the next step of this bill be to mandate every parent in California sign this document and say that you have to affirm this. There's been a similar bill that was already um, made law in, in, in the state of Washington. This is, this is dangerous ground. This is a dangerous uh, direction for us to go with our laws about families and just completely giving up 
the authority that we have in our homes over our children and over our families and saying, government, you go ahead and come in and, and be our boss because you know better. And God gave children to the government, so we just should answer to them, right? That is so wrong. We need to not usurp our own responsibility and abdicate our position in our homes and our families and say, we need to stand firm here and say that this is wrong. SB 407 is a step in the wrong direction. It will immediately impact foster children, but it has a it has a major step in this bill to go in a very dangerous direction with regard to all families in California. And we need to, to say no to this kind of policy in California. So I would encourage you to pray for this bill as well, that it would be stopped. We will be um, sending out more information on this bill and others in the next couple of weeks and ask you to, to take action. So if if you are not on our email list, I would ask you to please get on our email list so you're ready when we have actions that need to be taken. So that's the big picture of these bills right now. There are a number of other bills. I just chose those two examples to help you understand that these bills may not have specific wording that would affect you today, but they will affect you eventually, and they will affect your children and grandchildren. And these things don't just stop in California. They are used to implement laws all across America once they are in place here. And so there's not really a place to go if these are implemented where you don't have to worry anymore. And like I said earlier, this is a spiritual battle. We need to be putting our hope in God. And yes, we need to do our part. Yes, we need to be uh, working on everything that we can do to take action against these bills and to make sure that we have done the preparing the horse for the day of battle. And yet ultimately remi being reminded and reminding others that in the end, God is overall and his will will be done. So let's trust him for the outcome of these bills, but let us also pray and ask him to triumph for us so that we can have victory in these issues as well as those in years to come. So hopefully this has been helpful to you. If you're interested in learning more about this issue of authority, um, I would encourage you to go to our website fpmca.org authority and there's an article on this. And uh, until next time, God bless you and uh, we do look forward to Homeschool Freedom Day coming up this, uh, this next Saturday. So uh, the May 20th is our Homeschool Freedom Day in San Diego, and we'd love to see you there. Um, we have a great lineup of speakers, and you will be encouraged if you come there. You won't ever think of advocacy the same again if you, if you can join us there in San Diego. But we need people to be engaged. We need people to be uh, training, getting trained on how to have an impact in government. And there are things that each and every one of us can do to take action. And so I would encourage you to take a look at our website, see what it's going to be about, and register today. Be there in San Diego. Make um, an effort to, to get trained in how you can have a difference in our state government to protect our liberties for homeschooling today. Thanks so much. And um, we have a couple of great 
uh, quotes from, from FPM staff as to why they are looking forward to FPM at Homeschool Freedom Day, May 20th. Here's what they had to say. I'm really looking forward to sharing with these families the importance of their involvement in the protection of their homeschool freedoms. Giving them an understanding of these freedoms and connecting them with the larger homeschooling community will hopefully provide a great foundation and support system for their advocacy. This experience will be educational and inspirational for these families as they learn about what freedom looks like and what threatens it. Having the fellowship with other homeschoolers and with fellow believers will provide encouragement and motivation. I am really looking forward to seeing the connections that can be made among like-minded families at this event and the encouragement that comes with that. Seeing others that share your convictions and a motivation to protect these God-given freedoms is very encouraging. I think that the free food is a great bonus. I'm looking forward to it and I can't wait to see you there. Well, thanks for joining us today, and I hope that we will be able to see you at Homeschool Freedom Day. It's been an excellent um, week of being encouraged by many of you, so thank you for your encouragement and support. I pray that you'll be blessed as we have been, um, but we do also ask that you would continue praying for both us here in the office as well as for my family, and also be praying for the legislature that they would not be passing out bad bills. That's it for now. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Frontline with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here, check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.